welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome to Second Contact, a lower... A Lower Decks commentary podcast. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me as always is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene, we are talking today about a mathematically perfect redemption. Now, if that doesn't give you insight into who is being covered in this episode, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, really. This is a pretty heavy clue. This is continuing a thread from earlier seasons and uh, it's that little exocomp, peanut hamper, just in case you're really lost. And you should not be lost because you should have watched the episode already. And if you haven't, what the heck is wrong with you? Pause this now. Go watch the episode, then come back because you, it helps to have some context. The idea is we watch the episode once and then we record this thing. We do our commentary track and we want you to follow along for the second, third, fifth or 50th time to just enjoy the episode once more. Absolutely. And so we are going to start our commentary just right off the bat because there's a lot to talk about. And you can listen to this while you're driving, while you're walking, or you can listen to this while you're watching. But either way, we're going to queue it up and give you a countdown to three, two, one. We always start right after the Star Trek fanfare intro. And so as soon as that goes to black, that's when we're going to start. So, Char, are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. All right, and also, uh, the how Memory Alpha describes this episode is, a wayward Starfleet ensign struggles to find a path to redemption. Here mm. we go. All right. A three. All right, ready. A three, two, one, play. And off we go. Previously on Star love, Trek Lower Decks. I love the TNG font in Lower Decks. Like, it looks so sharp. It's yes, yes, very much this. I, I, I know the reasons why they chose the classic TOS font for official Star Trek merchandise moving forward. Like once we got oh, New sure. Trek, we got you know like we got a whole you know a much more what's the term we're looking for unified branding campaign when it comes to an umbrella that is Star Trek on Paramount Plus. Yeah, and so like. Evidence as this the Star Trek fanfare that we get with Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, and I'm sure we're going to get with Star Trek Picard and Discovery. I am such a child of the 80s and, er, and 90s that I wish that they chose the TNG font to be their official <laughs> font. Yeah, I I don't know if I love it that much to make it the flagship font, I guess, is what you might want to call I like it. That. Uh, I like yeah. that. Yeah. I understand why they went with the classic. Just for the unification, branding, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but for Lower Decks, it just, oh my gosh, it works so well. And I didn't realize how much I missed that with the blue for titles of episodes and stuff like that until this show came along. Like, oh, wow, that looks really nice. <laughs> so one thing I really like about the intro of this episode is that the previously seamlessly blends into the new stuff. That we haven't totally. seen Totally. And we get a completely different intro. Oh, yeah, right? And, and like, you can see that the Lower Decks title um, card kind of has this brushed metal feel to it. 
Uh-huh. Kind of like peanut hamper after she's been in <laughs> in space for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is I think is the very first time we've had a new like a different lower decks intro from the usual. Like they vary it with little things, but this is a completely new one. And Rutherford's uh um implant uh-huh. is is floating around in space too and then right before it cuts to a new shot, uh it kind of uh, like the light flickers a little bit, like yes. it's turning on or something. So it's it's trying. It's got a little bit of electricity in it. So I like that she's counting the days. Yeah, I, I appreciate I wanna know... that crossover with like the brig. How many times Mariner's been in there? Right, <laughs> it's a theme. And she has her own Wilson that she's talking to. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking with that too. Now. Sophia, Soph, is that like, is there any tie to that or is that just I think, a random name? I think that's just a random name. Okay. I, I could be know. wrong. Hey, maybe there's some some fans out there who know they're like, actually, Tristan and Shar. Yeah, we're actually inviting you this one time to do the well actually to us on Twitter. <laughs> By all means, ha- let us have it. So creating a ship out of a nacelle, just one nacelle is such a great idea. I love that. And it, yeah. It it makes me think of kind of like in Star Wars where you see uh I think I I think we've seen people who take a one pod racing engine and turn that into a motorbike. Like it's Oh yeah. It's kind of yeah. like that. <laughs> what I love is just how rickety this thing is, but it it works. And it looks like there's an old satellite for a deflector dish. I'm assuming that's what that's for. Just, so. wow, oh, yeah. really nicely cobbled together there, peanut hamper. <laughs> so, okay, when you first saw this episode, you first find out, oh, this is going to be all about peanut hamper. Were you excited? I, yes, yes, I was I was intrigued, I think, more than excited because I love it when shows do something different. Like when there's an episode that's outside of the norm, that maybe you don't see the main cast as much or maybe the main cast is only in for a little bit where you get a side character or someone you've never seen before. I mean, kind of like, and I'm not trying to be cute here, but Star Trek Next Generation's episode of Lower Decks. Like that <laughs> episode where we follow the ensigns yeah. around. Like I really like that idea of things. Yeah, I was pretty excited too. And once they showed us different title credits, I thought, they're really going to commit to this. This whole episode is going to be about Peanut Hamper. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a B-plot. This is not like a minor part of the story that's going to tie back to Cerritos. No, she's dominating here. And I love the fact that they took this chance. They took that dangling thread where she was lost in space and made a whole story out of it. Now, apparently on the internet, there's everybody's all over the map as to whether they like this or not. Maybe it's because they don't like peanut hamper. Maybe they just think, okay, this was too far out of the box. I wanted my regular crew back, that sort of thing. I'm just kind of ambivalent. Like there's things about this I appreciate. There's things that I don't necessarily care for. I'm like, I'm ready after watching this episode to get back to the Cerritos. Where are you sitting on this? Yeah, I'm kind of the same as you where like I saw a lot of people who were just over the moon on even some people at the, at the nerd party were talking uh, about it and like in our private chat 
and just talking about how it's one of their favorites. They were just blown away at how different and cool it was. And I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, you know, rain on anybody's parade and kind of <laughs> bring in my negativity. But I was kind of like, it's fine, you know, it's okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's more or less how and, I feel about it too. Like this was a this was an episode. I appreciate what they were trying to do here, and maybe just maybe there will be more of this story in the future. And maybe this is just a connecting piece that will actually elevate its stature in the grand rankings of things later on because of a future payoff that we don't know about right now. I don't know. I don't or, know. Or you know, or this is just that one off. You know, like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's interesting. I like I like that we're dealing with an alien culture that we don't normally, a, a kind of alien culture that we don't normally see, where you know they're they're free of technology, but not, you know, they're not worshiping Peanut Hamper as a god. I feel like it's it's <laughs> right. kind of one or the other. You know, I mean, they're not intellectually primitive. They have just renounced using yeah. space exploring technology. I do like this race of bird people, though. Like, it's, it's a cool concept. There's a whole culture around it that they've built in a very short amount of time. It's pretty cool. What I would love is for McMahon to go back to the episode where the exocomps came about in TNG uh-huh. and point out for us saying, this one's Peanut Hamper. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't Tendi create Peanut Hamper? Oh, did she? I completely I forgot. Think so I think so. I, we'll have did, to go back. I don't know about that one. I, my memory is crap, okay. so I I apologize if I'm wrong. We're, but we're looking that up as soon as we're done. <laughs> don't well, actually, us on that one, please. Uh, but I mean, she did talk about her father, like getting back at her, like joining Starfleet to get back at her dad or something oh, like that's that. True. So yeah, maybe so she was what? created by the original Exocomps. Maybe. Man, I feel like, like a bad co a bad host because I I cannot remember being a hamper's <laughs> right? origin story. Look, yeah, there's only so much memory. And and we're getting older and we've watched a lot of Star Trek since this last season. So you know what, guys, this is what you get. <laughs> I, I do love that uh Peanut Hamper like kinda called Rauda on it. Like he said, he's like, That's a sky snake. And she's like, doesn't everything here fly? Wouldn't it just be called a <laughs> snake? <laughs> I appreciated that too. There's there's the logic tracks. Also, I want his abs. Like what kind of crunches <laughs> do I need to do? Like what sort of like okay, yeah, birds with washboard abs. Interesting like, thought. His abs are so insane that feathers can't cover them. Yeah. That's how intense. That's pretty ripped. Yeah. For, especially for a bird man. So it's it is funny because as Star Trek fans, we're watching this going, she is breaking every single <laughs> rule of the prime directive. Like she's 100%. not just, she's not just, you know, running to hell. She's, she's practically sprinting there, you know, like, and yeah. And then of course, then they take it back by saying like, oh no, it's like an insurrection, you know, where. They had right. spacefaring technology beforehand, and they renounced it, so it's fine. Yeah, but she didn't know that right away. Oh, no, she knowingly, <laughs> like... Like, yeah, like, she does not care. She's out to save herself. Right. Which, really, that should have been our first clue as to how this story was going to end. 
Because, yeah, she's not even thinking about the Prime Directive. She's not thinking, oh, maybe I should hide from these people. It's like, no, save me. Take care of me. Where? So time has gone by. They're clearly showing that she's, you know, made. Acclimating. Made acclimated. She's made peace with these people. Like, these people like her and know her. And um, it's also clear, like, <laughs> it's clear that they are developing some sort of relationship between Rauda and Peanut Hamper, which <laughs> I like, it was so funny because I actually had a little bit of it spoiled for me before I watched. Oh, man. Where, like, some people were saying, it, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, were some people saying, like, it was, they went too far or something like that between oh, uh-huh. Peanut Hamper and Rauda. And I was, I was expecting something graphic. And I'm just like, good Lord, people. Like, okay. I, I, I'm so relieved to hear you say that because we argued about the Mugato sex scene. As whether that went too far or not, I feel like that is far more explicit than anything here. Like they're doing shadow play. We hear yeah. caca, but we're not seeing like actual mating. No, we're not seeing any. Like this is super tame. And like yeah. even for Star Trek standards, this is like, super tame. Yeah, like I, I, guys, there's always at least one episode of Lower Decks, a season that has some sort of like over the top sex scene. And this one might be it for the yeah. season. Like, expect this. This is what they do. And if you don't like it, that's fine. Close your eyes <laughs> or skip forward about a minute. It'll be over. But yeah, like, I don't know. I did not understand that uproar at all. Yeah. Yeah. That that was weird to me. That felt like pearl clutching. And I'm, I totally have delicate sensibilities when it comes to stuff like that. And I was not bothered yeah. in the least. It, well, you have small children, so you are thinking, like, think of the children. <laughs> but... <laughs> Would someone think of the children? Right. So if it didn't bother you, like, that should be a no. good gauge. You're you're pretty grounded in your reasoning most of the time. I still disagree with you about the Mugatu, though. <laughs> well, no, okay, with the Mugatu thing, that's it was freaking hilarious. I thought it, I thought it was amazing. Oh, yeah what we argued about was the rating. You're like, oh, it shouldn't have been TV 14. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, you're insane. I, I was, no, I wasn't, I saying that TV 14 was appropriate. Like that's perfectly fine for a 14 year old to watch. No, it was the opposite. You said that you were, you thought it was ridiculous that they even had to rate it that high. Oh, what you're saying something like that. Eh. <laughs> uh, okay. Guess we'll have to go back and listen to that now. <laughs> Dang it. I don't have time for this. Tristan. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. And so here they are in the post, I guess you could call it coital bliss. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> whatever you call bird and robot sex, they found a way. <laughs> yes. Alien sex uh, finds a way. They, they copulated, as Seven would say. There you go. And here's where they take back all the prime directive stuff. Right. Just when we were probably about to just start screaming at them about it, here is the exposition. So I love that they gave a bird person a man bun. Like they found a way. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's my favorite feature of this character is you like the washboard abs. I'm thinking the man bun actually looks pretty good on him. I'm not the biggest fan of man buns, but on him, heck yeah. So if I, if, if somebody in my village was dying of a disease that we couldn't treat, You'd think that they would make a pilgrimage to all of these old starships, wondering if there was some sort of magic medicine. 
<laughs> that could help. You might think you wouldn't you want to start exploring around, but how long have they said how long it's been since they've done that? Maybe that's just not on their minds as a thing to do, if that makes mm. any sense. That's they don't true. consider that as an option. Yeah. Yeah. So were you buying it when Peanut Hamper, like, did you, like, were you buying it when she turned the corner with these people and was starting to create a life and says, I want to redeem myself? Uh, I was, I was. I I think um, the turtles flying, like they were turtle doves, like literal turtle doves that just makes me Uh laugh every time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I didn't think that she wanted to stay there and make a life, but I did think that her, she was taking a turn. Like I felt like, Especially like when she started getting married, I, w- I right here, I was kind of like, oh, okay, so she's serious. She maybe she cares about these people, and she's just making the best out of a, a bad situation of being trapped on a planet. I lit- legitimately thought that she turned a corner, and maybe she would have, but the moment she had a way out, she snatched it up. Yeah. So. That's actually the big thing that bothers me about this episode. We might as well talk about it now is nobody necessarily grows or changes. Did we learn anything? No, because Peanut Hamper didn't grow or change or learn anything. She's just a selfish a-hole this whole time. Basically just using these people as a means to the end until she can get to something better. Yeah, and it's it is sad to see, but at the same time some people are like that, you know, like there's not every yeah. time we're going to get a redemption arc, you know, not every time <laughs> we're going to see somebody, um, you know, uh, just go another direction. Like right. some, sometimes people are just selfish. Some people it's are true. only looking out for number one. It's true. It's true. And I guess I'm putting that in contrast with the last couple of episodes at least in this season where there was substantial and good character growth through organic storytelling. And this is like in polar opposite stance to that. And so I guess it sticks out more and it makes me just want to go back to the Cerritos so that we can follow Mariner and Boimler and get back to their growth because they're going to grow. Peanut Hamper is not. Okay, we're done with that now. (laughs) I never get tired of seeing the counselor character on the bridge <laughs> because it it is such a stark realization of how weird it is for Deanna to be on the on the bridge as much as she was. <laughs> right, and not in a uniform at least for the first 5 6 seasons. Something like that. It just yeah. it just makes me laugh and it's such an it's such a very subtle th- um nod to TNG. It is. It really is. And I had a conversation with a friend recently about Deanna Troy and not wearing the uniform. And we actually considered something I had never, that had never crossed my mind before, which was maybe she was not in a uniform because a more casual look would make her more like approachable as a counselor, more, more likely to talk to you and open up, uh, expose your vulnerabilities. Whereas if you're in a formal stiff uniform, maybe that's, you're talking officer to officer, not as client to therapist. I thought, well, that's really interesting. That's a great idea. They didn't have to do the leotard thing. She could have just worn maybe like a more casual look, but I can go with that reasoning now. That was what I always thought. Like that that's what I always assumed. And I'm I'm I think that's the accepted fan response. 
is that okay. that's that's the reason why is that she's a counselor she she doesn't have you know um any technical duties or engineering duties or starship duties other than looking after the health of the of the crew so right. i i I, th- I think that's what i i love seeing I, I love that we got to see these aliens again yes and that not martok is uh is voicing <laughs> him again yes yeah how about that it's great. You just never know who's going to show up in each episode of Lower Decks. It's almost like a game. Like you predict, all right, who's going to be in the voice cast this week? <laughs> Make your predictions. I kind of mentally do that in my head and I'm always wrong, but it's kind of fun anyway. I I, I love how this kind of looks like the Ewok village, not to mention Star Wars again, but like the Ewok village <laughs> in Star totally Wars. But you totally are. I know, I know. I'm, I'm such fine, a sucker for right. that in sci-fi is when people live in the trees and they have like decked out villages in the treetops. Totally, totally. I want a, a tree house. That'd be cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, they make it look nice and cozy, so. It, this is what makes her turn that much harder is when everyone comes to her aid and says, no, Starfleet, you can't take her. She's one of us. You know, it's just like. <laughs> yeah. It's so and then, hurtful. Oh, peanut hamper. You're such oh, a disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a surprise. It's just a disappointment. It's like your parents, they weren't mad. They were disappointed when you screwed up. We're disappointed in you, peanut hamper, for being such a jerk. There's such a unique... Um ability of star trek to be able to do this where they can focus on one character even it's even if it's a tangential character i know i I know that's and that's not a unique thing to star trek but the way that star trek does it is unique like the ability to go in different dimensions go to different times different planets with different kind of aliens sure i guess i should say it's unique to sci-fi that's what i should say and i really like that yeah it's true and i do like it that this is a very sparing thing that happens, right? It's not an anthology series where we're going to jump from person to person to person to person, mm-hmm. major and minor. They do this once in a blue moon. At least like this. You know, she's not the B-plot. Right. I always expected this character to say, F you, like the first time we saw him. <laughs> For real, though. And this is Lower Decks. Why not? I, w- I was kind of surprised that they didn't do that. Yeah, I, same. <laughs> like, come on. You can amp it up a little bit. That's fine. I love how he describes Peanut Hamper as a prissy little robot. <laughs> prissy little robot. <laughs> <laughs> and here she is I, yeah, just completely I was, spilling it. Jeez. Yeah, I was honestly surprised by this one. I'm sure that people are kind of like who are listening to us are screaming at their <laughs> at their you know, at their speakers or whatever, saying like, how could you be fooled by this? How could you be fooled by peanut hamper? Um, but I was, I look, I look at, I look for the good in robots, guys. <laughs> I figured that would just be way too good to be true. So there was a part of me in the very back of my mind that was just waiting for it the whole time. Thought, oh, okay, she's going to perform. How is she actually going to redeem herself? Oh, she's not. Never mind. <laughs> so I got about halfway there. Like as he's crying, 
a tree on fire falls behind him <laughs> like trying to really nail home like, so dramatic how how horrible this betrayal was and it is though it's very stark she's just i'm out of here smell you later f you all bye yeah and that's the thing like he was like this happened like he they so were badly. literally at the altar and <laughs> right yeah he thought he was going to spend the rest of his life with this robot. And now she's gone. She, he was nothing to her. Yeah, I feel bad for him. And I hope he gets his revenge sometime down the road. Like we'll see him in a very like a cameo, very small part. Let's just find out how he's doing and if he's okay. Now the Cerritos gets really roughed up in this battle. It does. Like we're, yeah. we see some, some serious scorch marks. And I never get tired of seeing <laughs> the Cerritos just get get the crap beat out of it. I don't All know why. Time. Like, like with with the Enterprise or with Voyager, the Defiant, anything like that, it always kind of bothered me. I like I always felt like some sort of special connection with the ship where I'm just like, oh no, it's hurt. But it happens so much with the Cerritos <laughs> that I've become desensitized <laughs> to it. It gets whippings on a regular basis. So, so we, these controls of these ancient ships must be as intuitive as hell for a right? birdman who has had no technology in his life to be able to fly it safely into space and defeat an, an, an enemy what, vessel. They must be so advanced that it just takes absolutely no effort to know exactly yeah. what to do. It's like it reads your mind. It's that intuitive. Like, where's That's the fly button? <laughs> Warp me. This color palette was actually was also very um consistent. Like there was yeah. there was a definite there there was a definite style that went into the preparation of the species, their clothing, their their houses, their ornamentations and everything like that. Like everything felt yeah. real. Like if you you could put this on a on a on a real world situation and it would it would just it would just work besides the feather man button in the abs, but everything else, <laughs> everything else. Yeah. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Like I wasn't ever explicitly noticing that, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's definitely working there. So here we get a callback to the self-aware megalomaniacal yes. computer storage <laughs> that we had with, um, Wayoon's uh -huh. evil robot. Yep. And now peanut hamper is here and, I guess this leaves another dangling thread. Yes. Possible uh, wanting to take over the world with sentient robots. Yeah. I think like the two of them working together, I think we're definitely going to see them again, like you referenced before. I think it would be a shame if we didn't see the two of them work together and break out. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't be setting that up if they didn't want to use it, right? Because right. modern Trek does not waste time. At least Lower Ducks doesn't do that. They pack a lot into 26 minutes. I, I I forgot that the um, the the computer storage was at the Daystrom Institute. I, yes. I forgot about that. And you know what I really appreciated about the very end of that scene is once again you see the CBSI computer. Nice little okay. callback. Like it's still yeah. there. They remembered. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. All right, and that's the episode. It's done. 
Well, there you have it, folks. So that was our uh, review, not review, that was our commentary on <laughs> a mathematically perfect redemption. Uh, yeah, like both of us are just kind of like, eh, I'll probably never watch that one again. I mean, I, I probably, if I'm looking for a heavy hitter, this is not it. I don't know if, if I If I'm doing completely... a complete rewatch, yeah. But if I'm watching random yeah. episodes, probably not. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where I sit too. Okay, this is weird. We're we're starting to agree more again. We started off so <laughs> different at the top of the season and now we're kind of coming back together in the middle. It's interesting. It's a pattern. Well, make sure to uh, listen next week or uh, next episode because it is going to be the sequel to Crisis. <gasps> Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.